Hey, Texas Values friends. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Welcome to the weekly Texas Values Report. We're excited. We got a great show for you today. If you're watching on Facebook, share this, like it, put it in a group page, because we're going to have a very important conversation with a very well-known Texas pastor who's from the Central Texas area that's going to talk to us about his perspective on what's going on at the Texas legislature and how churches are responding every day to the needs of people. We're glad to have you on this week's edition of the Texas Values Report. You know, the show's over four years running consecutive. I think we're over 250, if not 300 consecutive episodes. We also stream it on Facebook and you can hear it live on the bridge locally in Central Texas at noon on Saturdays. But a lot to get to this week. You know, with this show, we talk about the issues of faith, family and freedom as they relate to the courts, the legislature and the media. And there's a lot going on this week as it relates to the legislature because the Texas legislature is in session. They're about halfway through their session, if you will. Hard to believe, isn't it, that we're uh, almost halfway through those 140 days, but things are heating up. There was a very important hearing this week, several important hearings, but one in particular that we were involved in where numerous pieces of religious freedom legislation were proposed. They were heard in a live committee hearing on the Senate chamber floor in Senate State Affairs. And one of those in particular, two of them particularly, we're going to talk about what one that got a lot of attention and one that maybe didn't get quite so much attention, but very important because it relates to churches and it relates to things that happened during the pandemic last week. And someone who knows a lot about that that's going to be our guest today is Pastor Danny Forshee. Pastor Forshee is the pastor of Great Hills Baptist Church. He also has a ministry of his own beyond the church with thousands of other people that are a part of that, many churches and missionary work that he does in our state, country, and across the world. Pastor Forshee, welcome back to the Texas Values Report. Hey, Jonathan, thank you. Always a blessing to see you and to, and to be in ministry with you, brother. That's right. Whether we're on a Zoom, video live, whether I see you in person or we're on the jockey trail, you never yeah. know where you're going to run into good <laughs> friends. And so, but look, I know we've had a long week. You've had a long couple of weeks. Boy, it seems like it's been a long year. Okay. It's been about a year since the whole pandemic thing really dug in. You started seeing the lockdowns, churches started being impacted, people's lives started being impacted, and so a lot to reflect on. But what we want to focus today, though, and it's very relevant, is a hearing that we had this week in the Texas Senate. You were not able to make it to the Senate State Affairs Committee, uh, and, and a lot of people weren't because it was very early on Monday morning. Sometimes you only get three days notice, but right. you were able to put a letter together because you care about these issues. And let me give people the backdrop, all right? Senate Bill 26 is a bill that just makes it clear that the government cannot force churches to close, particularly during these situations of pandemics. Look, if churches want to close, that's up to them. But we think it's best suited and they're in a good position to decide what's best. You were able to put a letter together lending your support and you've had to walk through this journey and you're in touch with other churches. And so just tell us a little bit about why this issue matters to you. Well, thank you, Jonathan. It is it's extremely important. And first of all, I'm just commend, um, you know, this legislation that is moving forward. It's getting a lot of support, uh, as you've said, and I've lended my support to it in the letter that we wrote. And, you know, it goes back to the essentiality of the local church, how essential is, is a church. And, and it's incredibly essential that we operate, that we're allowed to be, uh, to, to have people actually come and to trust the churches that they will do the right thing as far as you know, the social distancing and the mask and all of that. And when we had to shut down for those three months, 
I guess, Jonathan, it was so new. We were like, what, what is going on here? You know, but as we unpacked right. it and we began to notice, well, wait a minute, you know, there are people flying still on airplanes. There's protests going on. There's Walmart is full. And yet we uh, are not allowed to be open. So it goes back to the real core nature. Well, why? Well, some deem that we weren't essential. And so that goes back to how incredibly essential the church is. And so I guess we should just be allowed to be treated the same as, uh, as these other entities that were allowed to be open. Well, no, no doubt that. And that's at a minimum, right? I mean, and you think that should be almost second nature. People would get that. But unfortunately, some local officials didn't get that. So that's why we're working on this legislation to make it clear if we find ourselves in this position again, yeah. that there's not any confusion and you don't have government officials take advantage of some of these circumstances. Senate Bill 26, uh, a lot of people calling it the Freedom to Worship Act. The yeah. language of the bill talks about how it relates to places of worship. And it's not just a building. Sometimes you will have worship services outdoors. We saw parking lot services take yeah. place as churches, maybe because of pressure of the government or maybe because of their own prudence, if you will, deciding, hey, we'll meet outside. And you see that from time to time, even before the pandemic. But, you know, we had a great hearing. On Monday, we were able to submit your letter. I personally was able to deliver it to the right. Senate State Affairs Committee. I considered that an honor. Our good friend Brian Hughes is the yeah. chair of that committee. Senator Angela Paxton is the author of that bill. Pastor Forshee, there was no testimony against the bill. I mean, and, awesome. and honestly, we've worked on a lot of pieces of legislation, some that aren't all that controversial. And it's very rare that there's not at least one person that comes up and says, hey, I'm against this. But, you know, I don't know, the, the word of God, the Holy Spirit, whatever, yes. you know, you want to attribute it to. There was no yeah. opposition. And maybe that is an opportunity for us to say, you know what? Actually, I think we all agree, at least on this. I think you're absolutely right. Both, both fronts. First of all, just the favor of God, you know, upon the process and, and giving, you know, favor to or the due diligence of what you guys are, are doing. And secondly, it's just right. And I think people <laughs> recognize, hey, this is right. I think that's why there was no opposition. There's really no leg to, to stand on. But look, and it's not, I mean, you have a lot of faith out there, right? It's not just one particular church or one right. particular belief or denomination. And so I think there are a lot of people that feel recognized, okay, I mean, this really is something that uh, across the board could be benefited you know, as people look for their place of worship and think about what that means to them. Right. But I do think a lot of times we'll, you know, and I think Easter, we're getting close to Easter again. That was one of those weekends where, oh man, it just was like, it came home a little bit more, but I want you to visit a little bit about, you know, you and I agree the church is essential, but it's those times of crisis yeah. like a pandemic and others where I think the church is even more important in, in the, the more that it's able to be open and vibrant or accessible to people Sometimes during the day, sometimes in the middle of the night, uh, we've seen it, a, a need there. And, and you talked a little bit about that when we started. Absolutely. And, you know, we if you look at other places that were allowed to be open grocery stores and that sort of thing. And that's great. Well, people say, well, that's essential because people have to eat. I would say it's equally true that people need to be together and to fellowship with one another. There's such a healing dynamic there being in one another's presence. Of course, at our church, we you know, we would do the social distancing, we would have the mask and all, but just to see people in community, Jonathan, is so vitally important. And when people don't have that, and the statistics have borne this out, I mean, they are alarming. I was just looking at them the other day, the number of increase in depression and suicide attempts, and then um, just this overwhelming nature of, you know, just, just sadness, this palpable sadness. 
So in steps the church, man, that's what we do. We preach a message of hope, you know? (laughs) Think about a regular week, put aside a pandemic, right? You get through five, six days of your week. And many of us go to church more than one day a week. I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, toss that up to who's a better Christian, depending on how many times a a week you go to church. But let's just say you go once a week. Sometimes you get to Sunday and you're like, oh, okay, I can be here. And some of that too is being inside a sacred place, right? A place of worship, being somewhere where you can feel maybe some quietness or maybe some joy. Maybe you like to have the singing or it's just you feel like you're closer to God. I mean, you can be anywhere and pray. We know that. But being in that sanctuary uh, certainly has its value and having the freedom to do it without having to to, to have your mind burdened with something else and particularly have a, the, the church burden with wondering, you know, what's the law? Where am I going to be, you know, this w- one week to the next? Yeah. Uh, but you're right. I mean, look, the past two weeks, three weeks ago, the storm, the winter storm, I think reminded us that when, you know, there was crisis, when there was tragedy, when there was maybe for some people, no place to go that was warm, the church was stepping up. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and, and you know, it's one of those things you don't realize sometimes how important it is till you don't have it, you know, and whether it's the pandemic or the closing the week, we're still closed because of the burst pipes, the hundred thousand gallons of water that's been pumped out of our church. But it's, you and I were talking about this just a minute ago, how you just love being with the people, you know, that fellowship and that community in our church. I noticed this and I'm, and it's kind of funny, but when we dismiss, we're not dismissed. When we say, okay, people worship service over, you can go home. It's like people, they're not going home. They're just staying together. Why? Because we need each other. That physical, spiritual, emotional, dynamic, and interaction is absolutely essential. And so that's why we're real passionate about it. Well, look, and I was um, over at Hill Country Bible Church uh, just for an hour or so as a part of the Austin Disaster Relief Network and after the winter storm. Because, for I mean, churches, a lot of churches do have facilities that can be used. Uh, a lot of them were warming centers. They were stations where you could pick up water. And yeah. so, so often when there's crisis, when there's struggle, you need the church to be open even more. I mean, when there's natural disasters, all that, a lot of times there are places of shelter. Absolutely. And so th- there's, uh, and that, and the government to a large extent needs that. I mean, they rely on that because sometimes they don't have those same resources or facilities. Yeah. But if you think about it historically, we were talking in our office, I can't ever remember in my um, history being alive and some of the study I've done in law where yeah. you've had close uh, government forcing, forcing uh, churches to close. I know maybe hundreds, whenever, you know, years ago, there might be some circumstances, but it's so rare. So I think it's good to have that precedent that look, the standard is the church shouldn't be closed and the government shouldn't be telling them. And, you know, when some of this happened, I don't know that churches even got noticed. I remember a Saturday night when yeah. it first came down in central Texas and it was just like, boom, there's the order. Yeah. And so I think, also being in a position where there's more dialogue between government officials. And you mentioned it, right? That respect, trust the churches to make the right decision for work. What's work, what works best for them and really their community. Absolutely. And I'm, you know, I touched on something that I want to mention that you mentioned a minute ago, just about how in times of crisis, how the government absolutely can lean on and help the church. The, the top relief agencies in America today, Jonathan, I'm not talking about the government, FEMA, and that sort of thing. Here they are, the top four, Red Cross, Salvation Army, Samaritan's Purse, and the Southern Baptist Convention. What do all four of those have in common? They are the body of Christ. They're the people of God providing that and opening up and 
you know, like you said, the shelters, the warming centers, the, the feeding, the distribution and the ADRN folks, praise God for them. That, and by the way, they will tell you, Daniel and Stephen, the leadership there will say, we only exist because you, the church, empower us. Our people are the church. They're the Christians who are doing this relief agency. So just points back uh, to what you're saying. I agree with you 100%. We're talking with Pastor Danny Forshee. He's the pastor at Great Hills Baptist Church here in the Central Texas area. And we're touching on this because Senate Bill 26, the Freedom to Worship Act, was heard. It was a, it's a bill that's been proposed to protect churches so the government can't force them to close down, particularly during uh, situations like a pandemic or some of the circumstances of last year. The Senate Bill 26, the Freedom of Worship Act, was heard. No opposition testimony, a lot of testimony in favor of it. Uh, Pastor Danny Forshee submitted a letter in support of the piece of legislation. We anticipate when Senate State Affairs meets again on Monday, that bill is going to be voted out and move forward. It is a priority item for the lieutenant governor. He designated any bills that are 1 to 31 or, excuse me, designated as uh, priority bills. It's Senate Bill 26. And so you've got a lot of support there. As I mentioned, no opposition in the committee hearing. I imagine this could be a bipartisan issue, too, where we see Republicans and Democrats come together. And, and absolutely, you know, an opportunity to do that is great. Where can we find that unity? And the church is essential. And I think we're reminded of that every day. Places of worship, they are essential to our society. We see studies coming out indicating that how people are struggling, but people that are going to church regularly are doing at least a little bit better. Absolutely. And I know you had some damage at your church, you know, two or three weeks ago, and you're still recovering from that. That's why. You know, you guys aren't, you know, operating at 100 percent capacity or whatever you want to call it. I know you got some other parts of the building that you all have access to. Uh, but, you know, you've had to, to work through this so you can kind of identify right of what it's like to go through that struggle. But knowing, hey, I at least have the freedom to be in my building or I have the freedom to get together, whatever we need to do and understand the value of that. Absolutely. I mean, uh, unequivocally, I, I agree with everything you just said. And, and again, what we said earlier about when you don't have it, it just Oh, it just makes you miss it um, all the more. But, you know, we have hope. We're excited that we, we know there's a better day coming. We will be back into our, our building. And But Jonathan, I will say this, and it's very interesting how God, you know, Genesis 50, 20 says how, you know, Joseph, he tells his brothers, you meant this for evil, but God's going to bring about good out of this. And I think the same thing is going to happen with this legislation. What some wanted to silence the church or pre, uh, prevent worship I think God's going to take this and bring about good. And the, and the good is what we're seeing with the SB 26, but also just the, um, the people we have been able to reach online has been phenomenal. Our church has grown extraordinarily because of the difficulty. And so there's nothing like being together, but in light of the struggle, we've seen God do great things. Yeah. Well, look, and that is a blessing too. When you yeah. think about the value of technology, about, you know, being able to reach people and an indication that, you know, um, that the word of God could not be contained, you know, Amen. and so the more freedoms, the better. But even when they tried to strike at some of that freedom, the word there was a way, <laughs> excuse me, for the word to keep to move on and penetrate. And so and I, I love it because it's a matter of like creativity, like, hey, we're going to yeah. figure out a way to keep getting our message out there to keep reaching people because we know that need is strong. And there's value to it. And so, uh, so look, and, and I wish you well as you continue your, your recovery from the winter storm. Thank you for lending your support to the Freedom to Worship Act, Senate Bill 26. You know a little bit about the you know legislative process. You've been a friend of ours and dealt with some of these things. It's so valuable to have church leaders lend their voice. So I appreciate you doing that. 
Absolutely, Jonathan. As I've said before, believe in you guys, appreciate you, support you, and and honored to be in the fray with you. <laughs> you updated it and your team as well. God bless you. Pastor Danny Forshee has been our guest today on the Texas Values Report. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to let Pastor Forshee go and talk a little bit about what's happened. Uh, Senate Bill 26, we expect to get a vote out of the Senate Committee, State Affairs Committee. Um, no opposition there. Uh, look, I think all the Republicans are on board, even maybe a few Democrats in that committee will be on board with that piece of legislation. Senate Bill, excuse me, SGR 27, which is a constitutional amendment, deeming that the churches are essential, was also part of that hearing. We expect that to move forward. We supported it as well. That's by Senator Kelly Hancock. Senate Bill 26, the Freedom to Worship Act, is by Senator Angela Paxton. But there was also another bill heard. Senate Bill 26 was also heard. This is a bill that protects lawyers. So if they have religious beliefs that people deem that that are biblically based uh, related to issues of sexuality, uh, sexual orientation, gender identity. And people seem if people think that they don't like that or that's controversial or they think some uh, some reason that, you know, they're offended by that, that uh, that those beliefs cannot be something that the state bar takes and then uses against you to stop you from being a lawyer. If you want to apply it or someone like me who's been licensed now for 17 years, they could try to take your license away. And it's not a hypothetical. I mean, the state bar of Texas has been trying to come up with a law uh, based on American Bar Association rule 8.4 G is the, the rule number. And so there's a, a, an ongoing effort on this issue that has been used to punish Christian lawyers like myself. So we were testifying in favor of, of legislation that protects lawyers to have their religious beliefs so negative things can't be taken against them, including taking away their bar license. If you think about it, you take away their bar license, you take away their livelihood, okay? Could I start over a new career? Sure, I guess, at my age. But I mean, I'm 17 years into this. I've invested my almost my entire professional career, my professional life in the practice of law. If, if that's taken away from me, uh, really, that really makes it much more difficult for me to make a living feed my family, and really to continue to have the constitutional rights we're supposed to have. And that's what some people want. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. That is exactly what they want. They want Christian lawyers like me put out of business. They want us to suffer. Some of them want us in jail. All right. And they want us on the streets. All right. They don't want us to be able to make a living or they don't want us to be in a position to where we can have a voice and say, hey, this isn't right. You know, these these beliefs I disagree with or it's not right to take people's livelihoods away because of their religious beliefs. They don't want people having a robust discussion like the First Amendment guarantees on these issues. They don't want us telling people that the scientific data shows that individuals that go through a sex change, their lives don't get better statistically. They get worse. I mean, the evidence is there over and over. It's not good for them when you look at the statistics. People want to decide to do that. I think it's uh, I think it's very damaging and it can hurt them in the long run. So it's one question of whether or not they want to decide to do it. It's another thing if you're trying to punish people that say, I don't think it's a good idea because it's not healthy for them. That's a fact. I mean, scientifically and statistically, it's been shown. So because I just said that, some people want me to lose my law license and they want me out of business and they want me punished. Some people want us in jail. Uh, so we're not going to stand up for that. Senate Bill 247 protects our constitutional rights to talk about these issues from a biblical worldview. And if and, if, and it's not even about what you're talking about with your client. It, it can even relate to things you say in church and in other settings. So a lot happened on Monday. All right, we had a busy weekend last week. And guess what? Next Monday, 
I don't even know if I got official word yet, but it's probably going to be busy too in the Senate state affairs. Who knows what's going to be heard, but just anticipate likely some big bills from the trend of last week, because I think the Senate's like, Hey, we don't have a lot of time left. We're ready to get to work. And these are priority bill items, right? The Senate bill 26, the freedom to worship act was a priority bill by the Lieutenant governor that was announced two or three weeks ago. So not a surprise that it'd be heard first. And I'm glad they're not waiting, right? Sometimes you'll see that they're like, oh, this is a big bill. It's probably going to pass. We don't need to do it first or whatever the reasons are. No, get to those priorities first and let's get them done. There was also a bill heard protecting free speech from uh, censorship and social media, Senate Bill 12, which I also supported and our organization supports as well. So a lot of important things happening. And we uh, look, the heartbeat bill was filed yesterday. A lot of people have been waiting for it. When's it going to happen? Senator Brian Hughes, the chairman of state affairs in the Senate, uh, chairman of Senate State Affairs Committee, which we would expect would be the, the committee that would hear this bill. Uh, there's been a lot of people waiting. I understand, you know, whatever was going on behind the scenes, getting that bill ready. It has been filed. And on the House side, you know, we're going to see that issue move forward, too, as well. But I'm probably not a surprise if you see the Senate move for, first on it. Excuse me. Um, and that's Senate Bill 8, I believe, is the number. Let me check my chat for my team here. But uh, I looked at it last night, and I think that's right. Uh, yeah, Senate Bill 8. So Senate Bill 8 is the heartbeat bill, the bill a lot of people have been waiting for. It's not the only pro-life bill. A lot of great pro-life bills out there. You know, look, we support all pro-life bills, um, you know, that we've seen and, and checked over. You know, so there might sometimes uh, be some bills that are deemed pro-life, but, you know, we think they need to – they have some issues that need to be addressed. But there are a lot of pro-life bills out there. And so, uh, but Senate Bill 8, the heartbeat bill, is certainly one that's already been talked about a lot. There's been articles written about it. And uh, numerous other states have passed, I think 12 or 13 other states have passed heartbeat bills. And some will say, oh, but a lot of those things have been challenged in court. Uh, newsflash, the Supreme Court is different than it was two or three months ago, right? Amy Coney Barrett's on the Supreme Court. And why are we going to limit ourselves to what we do because of some guess or so-called prediction? Oh, I think the Supreme Court is going to do this. Oh, we think the Supreme Court might strike this bill down. So let's just not pass it. That's nonsense. That's not the way we operate. You need to do what's right. If the bill has merit to it and the heartbeat bill does, I mean, a heartbeat is one of the most universal symbols of life, right? When we wonder, is someone alive or not? They check the pulse. Do they have a heartbeat? If they don't, the indication is, okay, they're not alive. Maybe you, you know, use some type of method to resuscitate them. So if we know that a baby has a heartbeat, it's clear the baby's alive in the womb. That is a living, growing life. And at that point, at least we should be able to find some common ground that abortion should not be performed. There shouldn't, there, there's not a question about, oh, we don't really know what's going on in the womb. Oh, you know, once a heartbeat's detected. And that's a clear indication that it is a uh, completely separate individual being it's a human life and it should be protected. And we'll be supporting that vigorously. Texas Values will. Uh, Senate Bill 8, the heartbeat bill by Senator Brian Hughes. Don't be surprised if it gets heard very soon as well. So, and, and look, we're going to be working with that with a lot of other organizations and groups. I know the heartbeat bill's got a ton of support in other states, national groups, state groups, and this is the time to do it. Um, you know, these issues, the, the pro-life issue continues to get momentum. All right. Continues to be something that young people and people of all ages care about. And it's been I'm losing count 47 years since Roe versus Wade. It's more than become time for us to say enough. 
let's do what's right on these issues. And so Senate Bill 8, heartbeat bill, we're fully supportive of it, was filed yesterday, is likely going to start uh, moving very soon and quickly. So contact your Senate members, tell them to get on board. Many of them have already signed their name on the bill. Ask them to do that as well. They can do that electronically. Faith and Family Days next week. Man, it's going to be a busy weekend for my team, all right? Wednesday, March 17th, Faith and Family Day at the Texas Capitol. Sorry, it's sold out if you didn't already get your ticket. Oh, but wait, I got a, I got an offer for you. We do have some overflow rooms. I don't remember what the latest count is. Go to TexasFaithAndFamily.com. There might still be some tickets for overflow. There are tickets available for um, the live stream option, okay? But the Texas Faith and Family Day is Wednesday, March 17th, half day of training of hearing from elected officials like Senator Angel Paxton, who is the author of the Freedom to Worship Act. Um, we're hoping to get Brian Hughes over there with the heartbeat bill. I'm hearing that we're going to have uh, some other elected officials there as well. Um, and I'm trying to remember some of the members. Representative Matt Krause, I believe, is coming. Uh, Senator Donna Campbell, I believe, is sending a message. We're hoping to have Senator Kelly Hancock, a lot of great members that support a lot of the issues that we're involved in. Go to TexasFaithAndFamily.com. Hey, look, before we finish, if you care about the work that we do, if you care about faith, family, and freedom, we think it's one of the best investments you can make in our work. We are a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. Make a tax-deductible donation right now at txvalues.org. That's how we're able to do the work that we do. We've got about 12 people that are part of our team. We continue to grow. That's because people see value in our work, but I think we also provide value. Uh, but it's also because people continue to donate to us. TXValues.org, make that donation today. Look for updates over the weekend because I'm pretty sure I'm going to have some for you uh, to know when it comes to religious liberty and likely pro-life. We're likely going to need people on Monday morning for whatever bills we're involved in that may be heard. So check our social media channels, sign up for our email, get those text alerts so you can be one of the first to know what's going on on religious liberty, on marriage and family, and for life. And we'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.